The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, BronxPinstripes.com proudly brings to you the most exciting Yankees podcast in the world, George's Box. Welcome back to George's Box. I'm Jay. I'm Nick. And it's the worst day to be a Yankee fan this year. I, I gotta waiting. say, this has got to be the worst day. I was waiting for this, man. I thought you were going to come in, Mr. Optimism. We're still up 11 games. It's all gravy. Finally. Finally, you're with me. I'm here. I mean, I'm not... It's not like I don't know the situation. But there is a bit of, like... The lead's only nine and a half games. So it's down. It's not double digits. I don't have that to rest on. Um, I don't know. And, and we talk, We could talk about it. Like we originally did last week's show live during the end of the trade deadline. Like yes. the trade deadline just ended. So like Jordan Montgomery, we started we're like, all right, they traded Montgomery. And, you know, and you hate Montgomery. So you're very behind it. I don't know how you feel about it now, but we'll dive into it. I, um. I at the time was like, yeah, okay, I can see it because you expect that there was another move. We're going to find out at 6.05, like, they got this one last in. Now, without it, it feels a little weird. The rotation feels weird. Um, We don't know what's going on in the outfield. Uh, We don't know. We don't really have a Stanton update. Uh, The offense is dead. But, like, I'm I'm not jumping ship. You know, there are a lot of people like, this is it. It's over. This team sucks. Like, it's a long season. And you lose, you know, four games in a row, five, ge- you know, three games in a row is crazy. Can't believe it happened. Four games in a row. Like, you just you start to be like, huh, what's going on with these guys? This isn't the same team. But it's also, like, kind of a law of averages. We weren't going to win 70% of the games. So if we took – if we got a win on Saturday – and you sprinkled in a loss at a time earlier in the year, we're still at the same place. You just, like, Judge isn't going to hit 70 home runs. And if we just build everything around him, if if it's just we're going to live and die by one guy, you're not going to win. You're watching the Jeter documentary. The difference 
It, it can't be one guy, and it can't be guys just looking out for themselves. It's got to be a team. In order to be that team, you have to go through struggles. Oh, 100%. Everything went right in the first half. Everything, the calls, the health, the schedule. We, we were shitting rainbows basically yeah. up until that Houston series. And for me, like that Houston series was kind of the turning point. We were flying high. Then we got no hit by them and we split and we've kind of been playing 500 ball ever since then, which is the scary part. But again, from watching the you brought up the Jeter documentary, those teams like they were so balanced. There were so many guys contributing. What scares me about this team is it's it's basically like everybody standing around waiting for Judge to do something and hoping there are men on base when Judge comes up. DJ has been hitting really well. Other than that, offensively, like they're all dead. Yeah, they're playing some tough teams right now. And this is when guys are playing hot and the team's playing hot as a result of that. We don't question the managerial decisions as much because there aren't really decisions that have to be made. You don't have to make as many decisions when you're up by five. And you have brought it up before. Like, this is where it's time to earn for for Brian Cashman. You know what I call it? Wins above a monkey. Right, right. Yes, yes. <laughs> The uh, the analytical stat that you made up yeah. and just talking about the managing, I guess it was was it Friday night? I think it was Friday night that Nestor pitched and they took him out after five and a third. And you just knew the bullpen wasn't going to get the outs that they needed to finish that game. They end up bringing Clay Holmes in the eighth. He coughs it up there. But it's like as soon as he pulled Nestor, you knew there was no shot. They were going to piece it together. I don't know about you. Yeah, I, I, it just feels the team feels cursed right now. Like nothing's, you know. Like Judge has been the hottest player in baseball. His outs are hard outs, which are, you know, which is very important when a guy's slumping to point those out. But when it's, you know, he's still the best player in baseball. And so it's like, oh, is the luck starting to fall the other way? Oh, it definitely feels like it. Who's the who's the right fielder for the Cardinals? Everything they hit at that guy. He's making diving catches, sliding catches, crashing into the wall. He's Sometimes it sucks being a Yankee fan because you get tired of seeing everyone's best. Yes, yes. I'd like to see someone's just like, yeah. And I think that exhausts them a little bit. Like, I, I think some one of the beat writers tweeted that Bush Stadium, like on Saturday night, it was the most attendance they've ever had at any game, playoff games, World Series, anything. And like, I wonder if that gets exhausting, kind of being like a traveling rock band almost like every game you go to. It's like they're, they're not playing any games in front of empty stadiums and relaxing at all. Every game, it's like a, it's like a scene almost. Yeah, I mean, they're going to play on Wednesday what is a getaway day, you know, one o'clock start on the West coast in Seattle. I bet that stadium will have a lot of tickets sold. You know, maybe it's not a sellout, but it actually also might be. Speaking of which, this is one of the, like we always talk about looking at road trips. One of Jamie's bridesmaids actually lives in Seattle. And for the past like three years, every time they go to Seattle, it's like a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at the most inconvenient time. Like they haven't, we've been trying to like plan a weekend around it and it just hasn't happened. But I'd like to see that stadium. I can't think of any more fitting penalty for getting swept in St. Louis than having the flight of Seattle. Yes. <laughs> but they deserve it. Because, yeah, it's, I mean, it's shorter than a flight from New York, but it's that's still got to be at least three and a half, four hour flight, right? It's just a matter of when you're doing – like I don't know if you've ever gone – You've been away for work and then you like go somewhere else. Yeah. Because you're like, yeah, I'll save on one of the flights yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even the second part is vacation. You're still going further away from home. Like after you've been on the plane once, you're like, ah, 
Yeah, fucking do that. Yeah, I'm gonna have to do it longer going the other way. And like we know. talked about last week, they don't even stay out there. Then they fly. Then they gotta fly from Seattle to Boston, which is at least six hours. I mean, that's a far. That's a far ass flight too. So here it's sad. It's a sad way to look at it. But here's what I think we need. Here's a nice. You know, this is a movie fairy tale thing. Okay. We go out there. We have some hard fought games for the Mariners. I'd love us to win all three games, right? The way things are trending right now, it doesn't look that well. Maybe we could get out of there with a series win. Maybe whatever. It's, it's a heartbreaking loss on Wednesday. I'm not asking for a loss, but if we're going to lose, make it heartbreaking. Have that flight to Boston and come out fucking piss and vinegar next weekend. And that's what turns it around. Like you need some kind of thing that turns it around. Yeah, they need to hit rock bottom. Although I tweeted, I thought I just had a feeling that they were going to get like Sunday morning. I just woke up and I was like, they're getting swept today. Just just kind of had that feeling. But I, I thought it was going to be a low scoring game. I just thought they'd be whiffing all over the place at Wainwright's curveball and just score zero runs. They, I mean, they ended up scoring runs. But, yeah, I mean, maybe this week is rock bottom. They have that off day Thursday and come home. And going back to Fenway, I mean, that's another kind of turning point. Remember, they won those first two games in that four-game Fenway series, they got walked yeah. off Saturday. They coughed up the lead Sunday, and they've been playing like dog shit ever since that series. Maybe this gets him going, gets Donaldson going a little bit. He's been picking it up slightly. He had a nice couple of games in, in St. Louis, but they have a lot of they have a lot of issues. So I want to start with Cole in terms of like individual guys. Absolute mess on Wednesday. I'm a huge Cole fan, but whatever. He let up six runs in the I mean, first all, So let's just hold on. You wanted Cole more than. Most people, I would yes. say. Yep. Mm -hmm. We're all Cole fans. Yeah. This is where people need to stop. Not you're a Cole guy. We're all Cole fans because he's sure. a New York Yankee and he's yeah. our ace. And so people who are all already being like, well, I guess he's not our ace. I get it. we got a lot of contract and we got we got the guy we all wanted. I didn't say that he's not our ace. I know what he's saying that. I'm talking okay. to Twitter. Gotcha. Because okay, okay. I know you're still a Cole fan. I know yeah. you're still a Cole guy. So I'm just trying to back you up a, gotcha. a, a little okay, bit okay. more. Gotcha. Because gotcha. there's a lot of people like, well, I guess he's not the ace. Let's get the next one. Like, what the? That's just not – it's not tenable. We can't do that. Oh, we were going to take the ball out of his hand and give it to Nestor for yeah, the playoffs. Like, that's a joke. Everyone just needs to relax a little bit on, like – like I get it, the losses. I'm not defending the loss. I'm not saying we don't have to. Re we have to relax on that. But like, yeah, Cole's gonna have a bad start every once in a while, and you hope that the guy you're giving 32 million dollars or 36, whatever it is, can figure it out o over the course of the season. And yeah, the ERA's getting up there. Like, yeah, if it hits a four, you know, you'll start having the conversations way too early of like, does he have to change his approach because he's not that guy anymore. Yeah, and the people that are like the people that think he's not an ace, I mean, that's just that's just blasphemy. That's that's just that's absurd. Um, but I mean, the the issue for me is that he's had five starts where he's let up at least five runs. And I mean, I think like if I'm budgeting, you get two of those, maybe three if you're if you're a guy like him. And he's already had five. Like that's that's where. But the what does that even is. mean? Your budget, you get two of those, and then what? What's the what happens? That's, that's happens my expectation. Like, that's my expectation. Oh, until yeah. before you start to be like, you're not maybe you're not the guy. Yeah. Like you I, can have one or two of those. But when you have five and it's it's August 8th already, like assuming he has at least one more, that's six. I mean, to let up six runs in an inning at any point well, in I any game. Like, like what, what when he does give up all those runs, like is one of them the game that we were down in Baltimore for 
No, that was he only let up three runs that game. It was the um the game where IKF made, oh, there all, made all the errors. There, yeah, there yeah. was this one. There was one against the Blue Jays. There's been I think one oh and one against Boston. I feel like they've been in bunches. Like he gives them up early. Yes. Or he stayed in too late and he gives up that bunch where like he stays in too late. Like in the game in Baltimore where he stayed in a little too long. It was only three runs, but we didn't have a bullpen to go to then. You know, like sometimes he is sticking out. He's trying to, to be the man, and maybe that costs us games. It, I I wonder, and we haven't heard anything of it. When I see like a six-inning, six-run first inning out of him, he had to be tipping something. Had to be, right? Like, because otherwise you don't come back and have shutout innings. Yeah, and because I think it was six runs in the first inning and then 13 and then 13 out of 15 that he retired in a row. Like it, it was yeah. like a tail. It's a tail of two starts. But at that point, at that point, the damage is done. And I do think a big part of the panic is the wild card game dud from last year. Like I know the hamstring or whatever, but the fact that he completely melted on the Fenway mound like it. I, th- I think that's still in people's minds. Oh, yeah. I mean, it definitely is. That's the last time I saw him in the playoffs, you know, like. There's no getting around that. But like, if you're going to dwell on that, well, like, yeah, I guess then dwell on it, you know? And I'm not telling people, like, don't cheer, don't boo. Like, that's insanity. But yeah, there's no, we, there's the trade deadline's gone. The contract is guaranteed. This is the, these are the guys we have to do it with. Oh, we're married. Yeah. I'm not getting yeah. a divorce, man. I don't want to lose 50% my house and everything. Yeah. We're stuck with coal. This is it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> find a way to get along but and i think that i think the frustrating thing for me is people just hearing about like oh you know cole's not a bulldog like scherzer cole, garrett cole has won world series games he's won alcs games he's won alds games he's won wildcard games he's a, his era in the playoffs career is under three the idea that he's some choker that doesn't know how to pitch in the playoffs is just it, that that's what frustrates like oh scherzer's a bulldog but cole's soft like no yeah i mean i just think he has um a bad playoff start that's recent memory. And he's had some stinkers of games that I don't know. I haven't looked at like his entire career. Obviously having five games this year is a lot, but like, I don't know. It's just more in front of you. Like Joey Gallo had the same amount of strikeouts when he wasn't a Yankee as when he was with the Yankees. We just had to fucking watch every one of them. So they hurt worse. No, you're right. You're right. So you think he picks it up and kind of gets back to maybe maybe not Houston sticky tack form, but at least like 2020, 2021 form. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's going, going through a bad stretch and it just comes in bunches and you've all caught it at the same time. And so, you know, hopefully we figure this out before, you know, and, and quickly. But, yeah, like let's the best thing to do is just let's get him back out on the mound. And he loves pitching out West. If you remember last year against the Angels, he had his 16 strikeout game when they were playing in it LA. It also helps that they fucking suck. Yeah, but he, look, West Coast guy, you always talk about this. The boys head out West. You know, yeah. Not as many people watching. That You know, they're, they're closer to home. Yeah. You know, maybe he's got some family that he, you know, flew up to Seattle or something. Like, I, you know, I'm totally on board with that. Yeah, I just think, like, hey, he's going to go against Seattle. Um, and then rematch, he'll too. Be back. rematch against Castillo. Yeah. And then he'll be back, you know, the Rays at home, Blue Jays at home. Like he's got some, some good starts coming up. 
And then, yeah, but then probably back out. He probably won't pitch again until, like, he's back out at the Athletics. So he's got the Mariners, Rays, Blue Jays in his next three starts. He usually pitches pretty well against Tampa. And for me, like for Cole, finish the regular season with an ERA under three, 3.3 or 3.25. Get it back into the low threes and be ready for the postseason. I want to ask you about the closer role. Holmes continues to struggle. Chapman has had four straight scoreless outings. How close are we to having that that ninth inning conversation again? Um, Probably closer than we should be, I think. Uh, closer than if Holmes had more of a history, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hot couple months. You got you're an all star, but then you also got to think like, yeah, I, I do believe that when it gets to September, and you know, or you know, maybe the second week of September, you've got to really be put in like this is the everybody's place. Like you got to put that together. Britain will be back by then. Um, you know, so let's you know, it's all got to be in place. So I'm fine with still giving Holmes, give him a little more, you know, rope to hang himself or get right. You know, because if Chapman is going to go to the ninth inning and be lights out or blow games, he he's can do that in the sixth inning too. You know, like it can happen either way. I think you still have time to let Holmes try to figure this out because he's still a young guy and you still have him for a couple of years. Like that's your closer next year. That's a great point. And Chapman will 100% not be here next year. Yeah. That's a great point. I didn't even think of I think they're going to give Clay every chance because I don't yeah. think anybody wants to go back to the Chapman ninth inning experience. It's torturous. Oh, I see him smirking again. You know, right. I'm going to go off the GW. It's it's depressing. And I'm not a pitching expert. I never even pitched when I played baseball or anything. But every single two seamer that Clay Holmes is throwing is tailing to the right. And it's like going into the right handed batter's box. Every single one like Matt Blake just needs to fix it. I know I make it sound simple, but they're all doing that. No, no. no, But honestly, that's the way I think about it, too. It's just like, I don't know. Can you just show up an hour early one day, both of you and just figure it out? Like, come on, wizard man. Everything is sailing inside and he's been hitting guys. It's been. It's been ugly. I think I don't know. Is he blown? He's blown th- let up runs in his last three appearances. And and Friday night was so predictable when they brought him in in the eighth inning. And and, and Boone asking him to get a six out save when he's like on the road. When he's what are you doing, dude? On the road, already struggling. <laughs> like here's what you know. What if the regular thing's not working? Let's turn it up a notch, and that'll that'll sort itself out. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean yeah. there are some like. Boone, what the fuck are you doing? You know, we've never won a game because of the managing. I can't think of a single game that he's won as like, wow, he really nailed that move. No, never. It reminds me of like last year. I remember Britain was like dog shit, really struggling. It was right before he got hurt and he had let up runs in like five straight innings. And they're like, you know what? You're going to close the field of dreams game. And he lets up that cock shot to Tim Anderson. And, and it's like, well, what did you think was going to happen? It's the same yeah. thing. Yeah. No, I mean, you you question a lot of the decision making. I've always said, like, yeah, Boone gets the guys ready. They execute. We, you know, we won 103 games a few years ago, won 100 games this year, if we ever win a game again. But he's never won us a game. I don't believe he he adds, like, in game, he's not adding. I don't know how they would calculate that. Um, 
And it, he's definitely cost us games. He, I've never been overly impressed. Never. And clearly Cashman values the whole clubhouse vibe relationship thing way more than in game being a tactician. I mean, it's obvious. There is like, do you think? I don't know, like they're just hoping it'll click one time and then he can like whatever it is that's been missing. It'll happen once he'll make the right decisions, get this team to a World Series win, and then just like, oh, we'll run the same play again. Just do that again. <laughs> it's kind of like, is he Eli? Can he Eli Manning this? Right, right, right. Yeah, I don't know, man. And it's like it's frustrating too. like not I don't even live in New York, but just hearing about. Buck Showalter all the time and all the great decisions he's making and and all that and how great he has the culture going over there. It's, it's definitely annoying to hear. They're having fun. They're having fun in Queens. Their closer has a grand entrance now. They're great. They got the camera behind him. Have you seen the video? Yeah, yeah, the trumpet thing. It's cool. But did you see the one they did where they came out of the bullpen with him that I've only seen done for Mariano Rivera? They oh, sent no. a camera guy out to the bullpen. He comes down, the gate opens, he comes walking out, the trumpets hit. It is getting theatrical in Queens. I bet. No, it is. They're, dude, they're, and they're having, they're they're having fun. (laughs) Well, it was us in in the first half. And again, another, you know, I am going to be looking, not revenge necessarily, but I don't want to get punked, punked by them in the Bronx in two weeks or whenever we play. We, we got swept at City Field. Fine. Well, Obviously, like, you know, from the, the metric standpoint of it it, it, it doesn't qualify. But like those could those get to be like must win games because yeah. like, well, you because you must beat good teams that, you know, as you're getting ready for the playoffs, you must win some of those games. And when you lose five in a row, we got to pick up some games with some streaks somewhere else. Yeah, somebody I, somebody could stat check me, but I believe the only two teams that we've played with winning percentages currently over 600 are the Astros and the Mets, and we're two and seven in those it, nine games. It almost feels like, um, you know how there were a bunch of times where people just t- tweeted, and I may have done it. I, I don't know that I have or haven't, but like, I don't think I would have. Maybe I retweeted. But they'll be like, oh, the Yankees with this record – if they go 500 the rest of the season, they still win 107 games. It's as if the Yankees read that and said, hold my beer. I'll You're show not you exactly that how anymore. to do that. Nobody's tweeting that anymore because like, oh, shit, this is actually. Uh... Yeah, because it's like, OK, so that's where they're going to end up. You worry because we were a 500 team for like some good stretches in the previous couple of years. Oh, yeah. 100. I mean, dude, all of 20. There was a stretch through. 2020 and most of 2021 where I think they were like under 500 like for like a 100 game 110 game stretch my suggestion is listen this Mariner series I don't know well, don't watch it turn it off if you're if you're not enjoying how it's going use this as a cleanse for yourself as a fan I think everybody needs to take a breath sometimes like there are some games where you're just like you know what I kind of I need this I need this day off I last Thursday I thought I needed the, the day off they're just like, yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll take this off day. It, it's not a bad one. Um, take the take some time, refocus as fans, and get ready. Like, we got to get going again. The team's got to get going. They know it, and we just kind of have to believe in it. Right now, the next couple of weeks are going to be interesting because, you know, I, I assume it's going to be a topic at some point, but like. Once we get past August 20th, it does change some of the Peraza conversation. Is that because the – It's something to do with service. I didn't read the whole thing. I saw someone tweet it. Gotcha. But. Okay. Yeah. I mean he's hitting 304 since June 1st. 
Got it right here. He's got 26 steals on the season, 15 home runs. So I, I, I also saw – I don't know, one of the reporters tweeted it um, saying, like, it's really not the Yankee way to do that because – and again, going back to the Jeter thing. When it's just – when there's too much on one guy, you, you're not a team. You're not built to win. And a lot of times, you know, like A-Rod was that guy at times. If you put – if you bring up this rookie and he doesn't deliver – so, like, to bring him up, someone has to leave the team. Mm-hmm. So someone has to get released. Who are we releasing? Marwin. Marwin? Yeah. Okay. He bar- He never plays by – like, even yeah, for a bench really guy, they it. never play him. <laughs> yeah. He. I feel like we saw him a lot more earlier in the year. Well, Carpenter's taken a lot of – if it's not yes. shortstop, Carpenter's taken a lot of at-bats. That's no, that's true. But remember, they were ready to I always say this. They were ready to call up Glaber in 2017 until he broke his or he broke his his elbow or whatever the fuck sliding into home. Yeah, shoulder. Um, They were ready to call him up. And remember, Peraza isn't necessarily the shortstop of the future. It's Volpe. Like, I mean, if you. Well, no, I'm not talking about his personal development. Okay. You call him up. It's, you know, he's up here three weeks. Now it's mid-September. And he's batting a fucking hundred or something like that. And yeah, maybe he's got a home run, but like he's a, he's adjusting the same way Didi did, the same way IKF did that first three weeks of that season, and it's not going well. But you're staring the playoffs, and you know Toronto or whoever you know in the eye. Do you pull the plug on him and go back to IKF? Is IKF then going to step up? Well, I'm not worried about their feelings. I'm worried about how like how they'll deliver from it yeah i mean at this point i think lighting a fire under ikf can only help he's he's had 100 percent job security this entire year has has not played well and yeah i, I wouldn't mind lighting a fire under him look there, there's obviously a risk but like what's the worst that can happen i don't know i i don't th- i think there's more there's definitely more upside and i i just think at a minimum he's going to be better defensively he's going to be better in the field and i think look all all i'd be asking for from peraza is to you know 230 235, you know, make less errors than IKF, you know, maybe hit some doubles. Like, I would not be expecting him to come in and hit 300. But, I mean, he hasn't had an error in, like, three weeks. You're talking about Is it recorded an error? Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's a recorded He's still sitting at 11. <laughs> anyway, what, what's the one we always use? And I guess, uh, was it Kevin Costner? I guess, you know, Kevin Costner never slept with Cal Ripken's wife either. Well, he did. He did. That's a fact. That's a fact. That's a fact. You know the Ripkins don't sign um, fuckface memorabilia? Like Billy Ripkin, the Billy Ripkin fuckface card? Yeah, yeah, they don't. Yeah, no, they don't. Because um, I had gotten RDT, a... Uh, so I went to his wedding. I had a custom tie made of the Billy Ripping card, and I gave it to him at the end. And I was like, dude, you should get it signed. Like, you're involved in a lot of, like, charity things. Like, just tell Cal, like, listen, I'm just going to hold on to this, and at some point I'll sell it for charity. And uh, he was told, like, no, that doesn't – they don't do that. Also, also, it is part of the, like – Cal Ripken interviewing Cal Ripken experience. You know, if you interview any celebrity or sports person, there's some handler who'll say like, yeah, and we're not talking about this. Right. Yeah. We're not talking Kevin Costner. That's awesome. Cause it's in the ether. 
Like, you know, people, yeah, oh, yeah. He, you know, you just coward me doesn't need to be caught off guard with some by some jerk off and being like, dude, that's not fucking real. And now I had like three Bud Lights. So I'm going to beat you up on the Iron Man. <laughs> Um, I can't stand Cal Ripken, to be honest. I don't give a fuck about Cal Ripken. Oh, he was tall for a shortstop. He <laughs> played a lot. Okay. Right, that's his thing. <laughs> yeah. He won a World Series during segregation. Um, so I just think, like, the team is not playing well. We can agree on that. Yes. I think fans are really taking it out. Everyone's, like, lack of playing well. On IKF. Might he's be not giving I might up be guilty 12 of that. runs on Sunday. Right? Yeah, it's an easy target. Look, we've done that with Hicks. Well, first, and not to... Well, no, no, but IKF's batting 275. IKF leads the team in steals. Aaron Hicks talks about going 30-30 and then bats 212. <laughs> like, the guy's getting on base. Yes, he's not hitting home runs, but he never was going to. And if our focus is... The guy will get better because it's really people have further narrowed it down. And I think you talked about it before. It's balls in front of him where he's got to come forward. I feel like that's easier to work on over the next month and a half for before the playoffs coming in early, whatever it is, um, than being like, you know what? We're really going to focus again. Home runs at the shortstop position. I mean, he's, he's batting 274. I mean, you're saying take it out on him. I think it's not. It's part of it is that we we actually think that we have a replacement who's ready to go. Like for these other positions, like the, there's nobody ready. Like this is this is a guy that's kind of struggling, and there's a guy who I think can be better. I think that's why you're hearing the noise. I don't know if it's necessarily. Well, I think we're hearing the him. noise because people are tweeting every hit he gets, every home run he gets. Um, if there's like a, you know, I, I'm not. I haven't really seen a ton of defensive highlights, but I do know he rates out very well. And we're seeing that. And, you know, we're not saying the same thing about Florial is down in AAA killing it. Why do we have fucking Master Bader? Why did we trade trade for him? Let's do that. Let's let's go. Let's go there because I wanted to I wanted to transition into Mon- the Montgomery trade. You brought it up early. I love the concept of trying to get a center fielder. We haven't had a true center fielder. 28 since maybe Hicks was good in like 2017, 2018. They've been trying to find a true center fielder for very long. Clearly the rationale was we're going to win the division anyway. Montgomery's not going to start a playoff game. Let's have this guy be our starting center fielder for the playoffs the next year, which I love. I don't like having judge out there for health reasons. Hicks is just fucking incapable of doing it. I love all of that, but to do it for an injured guy, it's like, ah, with plantar fasciitis, a speed guy with a foot injury. Like that's, that's the head scratcher. That one, I mean, I think, like, listen, I'm I'm going through the same injury right now. Uh, so maybe I could play center field for the Yankees. I, I like I like the move of moving on from Montgomery, bringing in Bader. Uh, they look at his medical uh, stuff. I obviously don't. You don't know what conversations they had. Whatever. I like the idea of bringing a um, – what we had squid last year who couldn't yeah. hit his fucking weight. I think he's been cut by the Angels too. Really, he sure. led the. He was leading the entire majors in defensive runs saved. He was, I believe, like really bad at the play. Like yeah. I think he was doing that at the very beginning of the season, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. it fell off. I saw people talking about like why wasn't he released, or maybe he was released. Gotcha. So we love that because you know he's a local guy. Bader's a local guy. He's from New York. Grew up a Yankee, a, a Yankee fan. 
So like it's a good it, it it works. Everything about it works. If there's that other deal, you know, if there's another deal where we had another pitcher coming in. Like we all thought we saw that and I think everyone thought Okay, so now what's the next deal? This is about to happen. And it sounds like in Cashman interviews, he said, like, yeah, we were going to the last minute. Just kind of make, you got to make it happen once you pull the trigger on the one. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm glad you brought this up because uh, the reports were they were trying to get Pablo Lopez, and apparently the Marlins were asking for Glaber, Peraza, and I guess a couple other lower level, yeah, minor league guys. So would would you have done that? No, for Pablo no. Lopez. So me neither. No, but by the time you're pulling the Montgomery trigger, you know what that ask is. Like if the ask all along was like, well, we want Peraza and like this other guy, um. You know what that is. And then if they're like, oh, well, we also want Glaber and it's got to be Wells as the other guy, then, yeah, they pull the bait and switch. I don't think that happened. Yeah. I, I think, you know, Cash, you have an idea if this is going to get done or not. Yeah, I think he was just looking at it as, again, Montgomery's not going to be a factor in the playoffs. And this guy and this guy might be. Apparently, he's like a top three defensive center fielder in the league. He hits like around 250, has a little bit of pop. I mean, that's fine. Uh, apparently, judging right and him in center is the best defensive from left center left. field to what? And Benintendi and left rates out very high, too. It rates out very high. But I'm saying I had seen, you know, some nerd reporter say uh, from left center field to the right field line, it more covered, like better covered than any other tandem in baseball. Gotcha. It's interesting, though, because assuming that's the plan, right? You got Bader in center. You're going to have Judge in right. You're going to have Benintendi and left. Obviously, Stanton's DHing, and then it's, I guess, Donaldson versus, and then, you know, DJ is going to be at third, right? Glaber's going to be at second. IKF at short, Rizzo at first. I mean, are, I guess, Donaldson and Carpenter are both sitting in that scenario, right? Yeah. It's interesting how I mean, much you got to play the best guys defense. available. Yeah. Yeah. And if there's a better place, and there, so now, I, I'd like to see um, Ben Intendi play a little bit of center field. Me too. Me too. Just because then it gives you the ability when it gets to a playoff situation to say Bader's sitting. He's the guy off the bench to run. Move Ben Intendi over. Stanton in left, and then you've got, you can let Carpenter DH if it, you know it's a good matchup. Um, 
if you know you decide to give you know who knows Donaldson turns around like you you keep some flexibility in the lineup with that spot. But the other thing is like Benintendi still he's open minded about getting vaccinated. Like could be a Which, issue. You know what I think that means? I think that they're going to look at the standings and look where the Blue Jays are around whatever September 10th, two weeks before they have to go. And that's and that's what it's good. If that turns if they're you know, if the Blue Jays creep up and maybe they're five or six games back in the division, he gets the shot. If they're Judge holds them down. Yeah. <laughs> Judge I did it. Old one arm. Yeah, I don't know. Um, But like. There just wasn't that other move. There, like yeah. there were, and obviously we're at a, a not a great stretch through the rotation, and a lot of that is just looking at it from like, well, you know, Cole just gave up a lot of runs, but you know, we we only gave up one run on Sunday on Saturday, you know, like when the pitching's there, we're not getting it from the lineup, so. It's easy to have that recency bias to say like, oh, well, well, Cole sucked, so Nestor struggled a little bit, whatever. We need the other pitcher. I would like them to get it sorted out sooner, though. And we also ran into like a super hot Nolan Arenado. Like he won, he was the player of the week. And Goldschmidt's, ama- and Goldschmidt's amazing, too. They're, look, they're a good team. They're in first place in their division. Cardinals are a great team, great organization. So it, it wasn't that surprising. But when they rolled out the lineup on Saturday – and what was it? I uh, guess Stanton's out, Rizzo's out, and then they sat Benintendi. Like, you're just looking at that lineup, and you're like, there's no shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, when, you, when you're looking and you're like – I know I was just defending, but it's like, oh, IKF, LaCastro, Higgy. Ugh. You're just like – you're expecting Herman to give up a billion runs. Yeah, I was even surprised he made it close. And the other thing you've noticed, and I'm, I'm, I've noticed this. They their lineup without Stan, it's just so ordinary. Like he adds such a we talk about it, just him standing there creates it. And now it's like, oh, we have Judge as a slugger, and that's kind of it. When it's them two back to back, it's it's completely different. Even if Stan's only hitting 220, it's just like his present. They really miss his presence. And like you said, no definitive timetable. So who the fuck knows when he's coming back? Yeah, we haven't heard anything. Achilles. And Rizzo, you know, he's needed time off here and there. So, like, you want to get these guys back by, like, the beginning of September. And obviously, I'm not saying, like, hey, we can just go 500 the next three weeks because we can't. But if we can get to September and have all these guys, then you can piece together the lineup that, like, you're supposed to have. And that's the ideal. We got to be able to go left, right when, when we want to. You got to have protection for Judge because, yeah, Donaldson has played a little better. I mean, still 0 for 3 on Saturday, right behind Judge within that joke lineup. And Glaber 0 for 4. I mean, and some people have tweeted it. I mean, Glaber's still, you know, he's hitting 250, but like, you're a second baseman. You're supposed to hit more than 250. And we're start, we're teetering back towards the have been bad more than we've been good. He is swinging out of his shoes, too. Was it? I think it was the last at bat. It was either Saturday or Sunday. And he, he swung at two balls in a row in the dirt. Like, he wasn't even looking at the ball. Completely pulled off. When he struggles, he tries to pull everything. It's just he's like trying to hit else. a five-run home run every yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. Frustrating. I, last 15 games, he's batting 213. Last seven games, he's batting 148. 
Rizzo's out of the line. So we're recording this Monday at 7.30. The Yankees play at 10.10 tonight, and Rizzo is out again. I guess that's the fifth straight game. Yeah. You got I, I mean, at this point, do you backdate him and just IL him? How yeah, many just more? take the week. Because they're playing shorthanded every night for the past five nights. Yeah. Get someone else up that you can get a look at. I mean, you could put DJ at first, slide IKF over to third, and let Peraza have five games. Yeah, no, that is that is an option. Tonight they're doing they're doing DJ at first, Donaldson at third, Torres at second. So uh, Trevino's back in there over Higgy, which is nice. Oh, but it's Tyone. I wow, we're we're underdogs tonight, which is very rare. I, I'd be pretty surprised if they won tonight with Tyone, to be honest. Can't wait to find out in the morning. Yeah. So how much? I'm kind of treating this week like a Suedo All-Star break. I'm burned out. I don't know. I, dude, I am burned out. I, I'm feeling the dog days. We had people here this weekend. Like, my my wife had, like, some high school friends, and I ended up, like, cooking. You know, like, I, I kind of run the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, no, I'm just it, – it was a weekend, you know? So I can't be staying up till like, 1030 doing these things. We're at that point where it's, like, we're dragging through the summer. We haven't gotten to the juice of – everybody's just, like, fast-forward to, like, September, I, I feel like, at this point. Like, I feel like fans are feeling – like, you were talking about, oh, fans getting mad at ICAF. Everybody's hot. Everybody's yeah. getting, ang- you know, a little bit frustrated. Like, it's you can just feel the tension. I say, like, oh, this heat's oppressive, like, as a joke. I say, NBC Philly, they tweeted this morning, like, two oppressive days of heat. I'm like, we're just going around oppressive for the heat? Yeah, it is. People are tired of this shit. Um. But, yeah, I think Glaber, you know, I don't want to say if there was a, a great deal out there, and I, it wasn't the Lopez deal. Like, I had him in a Soto deal. Um, you do wonder, again, like, oh, when when was the time to, to trade Glaber? When were we selling high on him? I'm not going to lie. I would have – I'm not so sure I would have definitely said no to that Lopez deal for two and a half years. Of yeah. Lopez. You already have Volpe. Do you really need Peraza? Like, ah, yeah, might have been good. I don't know, man. Might, it's cl- It's tough. Depending on who else was in it, if it was just the two of them, maybe. Because again, like we still have like, I saw a thing that Nick Stanzo tweeted, where it was like the value of the minor league systems, and it was like, well, you know, the Yankees is worth two hundred and seventy three million dollars of like of the players and just in general i was like this feels like slavery this feels like these are guys you're paying twelve hundred dollars a month and you're like they're worth 270 million (laughs) dollars if they go out there and perform for you it does sound bad it's like the yankees team being like oh the franchise is worth five billion dollars and well these guys get you know 300 million of it every year that's cool these guys have to deliver pizzas in the offseason, and they're worth $273 million. You want to buy some of them? You want to buy some of my boys? It's bad. I don't well, like look, that. The team's worth $5 billion, but the revenue's only around seven to $800 million a year. So It's like a couple hundred grand, really. We're rubbing two nickels together. I mean, listen, Glaber's hitting two fifty six. How many bombs? 16. Yeah, I like it. He's got three in the last 30 games. They are, they are all so cold. Dude, Hicks was 0 for 33. And like, what the fuck? Well, here's the thing. Like, we made – we at least we've made moves around Hicks. Like, we tried with Gallo. Like, that was, you know, yeah. part of it. Like, 
I'll give Cashman credit. Like he's tried to improve in those areas. I don't know if you've noticed this, but they have a much stronger commitment to defense than they have. I mean, all of these moves, the IKF move, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Rizzo, Bader. I said that all offseason. Yeah. Like yeah. It made us defensively better because it was such a nightmare. Like, yeah, we're all on IKF. Remember every ground ball to Glaber, every ground ball, like what you felt in your stomach. You feel it in your head right now. You're feeling it in your heart, in your stomach. You felt like, oh, God, I'm going to puke every ground ball. And then he throws it. He catches it. He throws it. And his void on the other side. Exactly. That was the second part yeah. of what I was going to say. No, it's just it's dramatically different. <laughs> It's so- Donaldson was an upgrade, you know, Gallo wasn't, was supposed to be a defensive upgrade. And he was, he won a gold club last year. He had some struggles at times. He struggled with everything. Um, and now we've gone out, we've gotten Ben and who's won a gold glove. We've got Bader who, you know, rates as, you know, the, one of the best defensive center fielders. Um, but we are not good at, we're good at bringing in guys on like where it always feels like there's a catch. You know, yes. we got Gallo. We didn't even pay for him last year. We didn't pay for Rizzo last year. We got Bader, but they don't know his foot's not as bad. You know, like it's always we've got a one up. So just trade some of the good prospects and get good regular players. Sounds sounds like a sound strategy to me. Uh, Montas completely shits the bed yesterday. Give him a four one lead, coughs it all up. Pretty disappointing. Yeah, I mean bad start his mom just died you know that was a weird thing. was a report a lot in the trailer he got traded like while his mom died i thought it was his mother-in-law that was his oh, mother- mother-in-law oh, okay oh, I, I thought I, it was mom gotcha okay either I'd way mom not well, trying to minimize way. it but you know yeah but either way like oh i go from living in oakland and playing on this shit team to like no i'm possibly traded someone close to me dies i'm on the barrier i'm dealing with funeral shit going to join a new team you know, like he probably he got to the Yankees that morning, probably, or like you know Saturday night. Yeah, I think he got he got there Saturday night, but Sunday. I, I know all those circumstances, but there's something about when a team comes out and they give you a four nothing lead or a four one lead or whatever, and you immediately give it away. It's just it's such a gut punch, man. Whenever that happens, I think for a second, I'm like, I wonder if someone died in his life. You know, like I just after one start. This is a guy we wanted. We went out and got him. Yes. Mm-hmm. You no, know? I know, I know. But there if is we, some PTSD if, from if our last got, Oakland pitcher that we if got. If we got Castillo and he went out there and threw up a stinker, we'd be like, why did we go get him? But it's all it's all we want. They're, they do a lot of the things we want, and the, the players don't play as good as we'd like them to or as good as Cashman thinks that they're going to. Game's not played on paper. No. Because we've won a lot of off-season World Series on paper. <laughs> Especially, like, pre, I mean, like, 2002, like, the G- oh, we got Giambi, we got yeah. Sheffield, like, oh, every year during that time. <laughs> Dude, watching this Jeter documentary, I forget about, like, so, I'm like, what, we try, what did we think, we were going to win the World Series with John Olerud at first base? So I just watched, I just watched, like, the 2000, I haven't even gotten to 04, we just watched the one that ended with the 2003 World Series. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so I'm a little behind. But it's been, dude, it's been it's been a lot of fun. It's just like Yankees porn for if you you know what I mean? It's just, Oh, yeah. <laughs> my wife here, my wife will just be like on her phone cuz I she watched maybe two episodes with me cuz I just DVR them. Um and she'll just be like, "Oh, that was sick." And she's just like, "Are you just talking to yourself?" Cuz I'll just be sitting there watching like, "Oh man, look at that. 
uh, he couldn't have stopped. He kind of there's no way he could have stopped. Of course he had to go in the stands. Or was like, are you debating someone from Twitter in your mind right now? I do that like, too. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I do it too. You want to hear a psycho move that I've been doing with the documentary? Is I don't let Jamie have her phone while it's on. Like I, I mean, that's like spousal abuse. Like what is that? What do you mean you don't let her have her phone? She needs she needs to get the I mean, this is like my childhood. This is historic here. Like and she's always said to me, let me add some context. She's always said to me, like, oh, I want to learn about the history because she only knows like you okay. know, 20. So I'm like, look, you want to learn about the history? Or this at least, is a like, great way to history? learn it. Yes. At least stay off your phone. Yes, that, that's okay. it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. OK. I used to have a thing where I told my wife when she was my girlfriend, like, I won't marry you until you score a game. <laughs> And she was down. She was like, teach me. And I was like, all right, what if we just did like a bunch of shots of Jameson at Billy's instead of buying a program? <laughs> then we just never did. <laughs> like, it was always like, yeah, we're going to go to a game. We're, we're going to pick a game where I'm going to stay the whole game. We're going to pay attention the whole time. And we're not going to get plastered. Nope. Never happened. No. Yeah. <laughs> we did once. I mean, we were drinking throughout a game and Jamie kept the book for the entire game. She does it for softball every week. So she's kind of oh, okay. she's kind of used to it. She actually kind of enjoys it. Uh, it is funny, though, because like there'll be like some weird rundown or like weird double play. And she'll be like, oh, what is this? And I'm like, honestly, I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah. And people who like doing the book all like having their own like, oh, well, I do this thing this way. And it's like that's what makes it special about the way I do it. <laughs> And they always have headphones. Like, I never understood the listening to the radio when you're at the game. Like, isn't it on a delayed feed? Like, I think like, radio I, I think radio is more, like, caught up. Got it. Okay. I, I just never – I never – like, you see older people do it. I just don't – Yeah, understand. well, I think older people, they enjoy the commentary. They uh, get a better idea. They can't see as well. So to see, like, hey, what's uh, going okay. on. Um, they don't really want to talk to anyone from a different generation, so right. I, I don't blame them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, and think about when, remember in 2019 for the ALCS, like there was all of a sudden it was like one of the umpires was gone and it was like, what the fuck is going on? Oh yeah. And we're all in the stands. Like we have no idea what's going on. <laughs> we're waiting. <laughs> hope someone will tweet that's watching it, but everyone we follow is with us. Right. <laughs> Right. No, you're right. I do remember that against against the Astros for the for the Jeter documentary. Anything like super surprising that he said that stood out to you or like that that kind of took you back? Like, huh? Or all pretty. I'm surprised he's given as much as he has. Like he talked like pretty openly about I, I think it's a ding against him, but it's good. He was honest about it when he I'm trying to think. No, you're. Have you been to the part where – well, no, I think it was like tweeted out. I think I saw it on social first where he says that I just didn't understand why Alex would move positions yes, yes. to come to another team. Yes. And it was like, well, you are – you're where you always want – it's the Yankees. Like, yeah, obviously you wouldn't move positions to go play for the Brewers, dummy. But like, yeah, if you would come to the Yankees and win. And it made Aaron look good because he's just like – yeah, I wanted to win a World Series, so I came here. Um, they do get in – I don't know, because I watched the last two in a row, so I don't remember which one it is. I think it might be the last one that I saw. They cover your favorite time when he just goes – when Cashman's like, go get another offer. He goes, uh, yeah. well, who else would you want there? And they have Cashman. He goes, I don't know. I just answer. It's Detroit Lewitsky or Hanley Ramirez. 
So funny. And she just like that hurt. That hurt to hear. No, I bet. Uh, for me, it was just like I wish. Look, I love Derek as much as any Yankee fan, but like I wish he would have gotten over the A Rod shit and a little bit more welcomed it. Like yeah. just because if you're yeah. look, Jeter's thing is I'm all about the team. All I care about is winning. Fine, then put your personal bullshit aside and and welcome him in. So a little I think more. we're seeing what as fans, like I don't know, we didn't notice or maybe like we were young, but they talk about in the next couple episodes how you know. It went from, like, what we saw, where really the only, like, issue was, like, Chad Curtis, which is like, yeah, that guy ended up being a pedophile. Yeah, he was a freak, religious yes. nut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he had the pr- same problem, like, everywhere he went. Yeah. People. And so, like, that was the first one. But then it became, they, they talk about it on episodes, like, if, yeah, if you're not in with Jeter, then you're just, you're not really a Yankee. Like, you're not in yet. You're not in the team. Gary Sheffield's like, yeah, I don't have any, like, beef with Derek, but, like, I, I was an outsider that whole three years. Because I feel like he, he said, was clicky. Because he said Derek Jeter wasn't black enough. He said that? Yeah, in an interview, he said something about, like, you know, black players aren't, like, treated the same. And they're like, well, captain of your team's uh, half black. He was, yeah, half. It was a, a thing wow. in an interview. And then he was trying to, like, not undercut Jeter because he, like, immediately apologized. He called Jeter's parents and, like, clarified and everything. But he was like, yeah, but like there was still even because that happened and I clarified there was still like you you weren't coming back. And, and that's I, right. yeah. Right. And I feel like Jeter was a little bit too much of a hardo with all this stuff. The other thing, it's like a chicken or the egg thing, right? Like where did he not accept did, did Jeter not accept guys because they weren't working super hard and weren't hustling or was it or or was he just a dick? Like wh- like, you know, how much would. I don't know. It bleeds in. Like, yeah. you you know. Because um, he loved Matsui. Like, there are certain guys, Ichiro. Like, die a hero or live in. long enough to become a villain. Yeah. Like, that's kind of, you know, where it got to because they have on the thing. I don't think I'm, like, spoiling anything for you. They have, the like, Buster Only was on there. There are a couple yeah. people talking about, like, yeah, like, it hit a point where the Yankees were not putting the best available like option at shortstop, you know, yes. they're talking really later in his career. Like there were other better options, but it's, they hit a point where with, you know, the last contract, it was Derek Jeter, the brand, because really they were trying to piece it together with players and they needed Derek Jeter to sell tickets. And that's oh what it is. God, like yeah. a show. Cause I even always said like towards the end of Jeter's career, like, yeah, he should have moved. Like he should have moved positions. It was a detriment. I love seeing him, but I would have loved to see him as a right fielder. It was it was so depressing because it was I think it was 2013 was Mariano's farewell tour and 2014 was Jeter's. And those were my junior and senior year of college. And it was just like so depressing because, like you said, the team was going nowhere. They weren't exciting. It was all just ceremonies and memorial and just like reliving the past. And it just got so depressing. But the one last thing I wanted to say, so I'm sure they'll get there. You remember the game where somebody on the Orioles hits a little pop up and Jeter and A-Rod both drop. Oh, yeah, that's coming. I was at that game. Oh, really? Yeah, it was it was I remember it was a scorching summer like it was in the summer. It was one of those like Thursday one o'clock games. My dad took us and I remember and they were down like 11 to two at the time. I mean, the game was over, but you could hear a pin drop in that. It was at the old it was at the old stadium. I was in that upper. So I remember that it happened, but I didn't remember the explanation because like it goes, it hits them. And then it hits a rod's glove and it bounces next to Jeter. And Jeter just jogs away. And it looks he didn't like, look at him or pick the ball up. Yes. And his explanation, 
in the documentary, which I don't know if this was ever like said before. I remember hearing it was I had it. Then he called me off. Then he lost it. Said, oh, do you have it? But then he stayed there. Neither one of us really had it. It hit his glove. I thought he caught it. I didn't see the ball. So I was jogging off the field, which I don't, I don't think a lot. No, no, you wouldn't know. You, dude, you, Derek Jeter's the most observes everything. He could tell if he if he dropped it. But yeah, it was. I remember just how quiet it was, and then doesn't really have anything to do with anything. But the next day they went to Boston and then won five in a row. It was that five game like Boston yeah. massacre or whatever. And then everybody forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. it's uh they've got you, you got some Hannah Davis coming up like her okay. talking about their relationship, which is interesting to see. Uh, Even you know she's like yeah I hated when he played like when he played baseball like because he could not be he could not be in a like good like great in a relationship playing baseball. He's so hyper focused on baseball and he's so stubborn. Like I feel like trying to be like have a conversation like give and take and compromise. He probably because. doesn't even let her watch TV with her phone. He probably takes it away from her. <laughs> what an asshole! Right. <laughs> He does talk about the gift baskets. Oh, nice. I'm looking forward to that. It's funny, though, when you hear about. So it's been interesting because, like, he's opened up his life more. So, like, there was a weird face, like, he made when he had, like, his daughters painting his nails or whatever recently. And, like, you never see. He tweeted that. And, like, you never see Derek Jeter like that. And you saw a bunch of, like, private pictures of, like, him and Hannah as they're like dating and doing stuff and like mm. selfies, like just shit that you would never ever see of him. Yeah. That's been pretty interesting. Also, you learn more about his relationship with Gerald Williams and how Gerald Williams kind of like took him under his arm. That's cool. Um, he recently passed away, right? Gerald yeah. Williams. Yeah. He looks in the interviews in the thing, he looks like sick too. But they have, you know, they do those like American home insurance commercials or whatever. He's in yeah. the commercials. There's one where he's like, you know, hey, thank you for being like another dad to me. And it's it's him watching what's supposed to be him hugging a guy that kind of looks like Joe Torre. <laughs> and you see the Joe Torre guy's face and it's just like this all Italian guy. And then there's one like, thanks for taking me under your wing. And it's like clearly Gerald Williams, like getting dressed in the locker room. Um, yeah, no, it's been. It's been cool to see that stuff. And to to learn a, a little bit about him off the field, there's been a lot more focus on, especially in the early episodes, on being biracial. Mm-hmm. That I yes. think you know he he skated in you know in between that because he had to. Like they even talk about that. Like if he was just like no, I'm black and like spoke out about things, he'd be in trouble in New York. What about now? Like if if Jeter's playing, like if he's there's 25 still, now. No, there's still a certain amount of people just is shut up and dribble. They don't want to hear about it. But You're would here. he have even like I don't I don't even think it's a shut up and dribble thing. I don't think he wanted no, to be so involved the, in anything that wasn't I think baseball. The really. next episode that you have is called like Hiding in Plain Sight. Okay. And it's all about how the reporters all say Derek Jeter was the most available player we ever worked with. He every day he made himself available and answered every question and told you nothing. Yeah, yeah. His interviews were so boring. And just every time – and then he talked about like, hey, here's just the way I approached it. I decided early on this is what I was going to do. And like, you know, they'd ask me about, you know, people I was dating who I was out to. And I just said, did you ask Bernie what him and his wife did for dinner last night? Like, you did it. So why me? So it's it's been pretty interesting to get – you know, you just hear all these rumors about him over time. Yeah, And now he's providing a lot more clarity into them. Some he looks really good. Some he doesn't, you know, he doesn't look like the coolest guy in the world. He hasn't anything like terrible. I'm just saying yeah. it's just like, oh, you're kind of a dork sometimes. I'm excited for to get to the 2009 World Series because like for me, 
growing up in Philly, I was like 15 or 16. Like that was probably. Oh yeah. There's a lot of Jimmy Rollins interview. It's like Jimmy Rollins. Shut the fuck up, dude. No one cares about you. (laughs) A lot of Clemens too. A lot of Clemens. A lot of Clemens. Yeah. I mean, cause it's, well, there's probably, there's a paycheck for being interviewed in this thing. Uh, for all these guys, but like this is a premier thing. Like everyone's gonna see. So you, what you start to get is um, you get a lot more Michael Jordan in the upcoming Ooh, episode. I like that. And Jordan just is pretty much like I can be around Derek Jeter and his family and be myself and say whatever I want. And sometimes you know when you're with friends, you say things that you're feeling in a moment or you have an opinion on something. It's gonna start a discussion that maybe it changes your mind, maybe it doesn't. Um, but like he's a public figure and, you know, essentially as Michael Jordan, I can't say that stuff out loud. I feel comfortable with Derek. He's always done that. And he pretty much Jordan is like me, Derek Jeter, Tiger Woods, you know, like the, the upper echelon of guys. That's cool. Cool. Yeah, cool. it is. It is super cool. Nice. Wait, is it just six episodes? Are you done or there? Is no, there no, I think there's I think there's seven, maybe eight. Nice. All right. Because I'm done. I'm up to four. The last that so, right, cool. I saw something about like the last episode is like the 11th. All right. Not, oh, so there's more. OK, cool. It's so like a weird game. schedule. I don't even know when they're on my like I just go on YouTube TV and it's like sometimes it's like you got every episode. Thursday. There's two. Gotcha. I thought yeah, it was yeah. Tuesday and Thursday. Yeah, I think it's every Thursday. There's two. Gotcha. Yeah, I was surprised to have two. So, OK, that makes sense. At least I didn't try to stretch it out for like 10 weeks. No, no. But no, it's been good. You got, you got, we, we went hard today. We're over an hour. Yeah, man. Just, just talking baseball. I mean, yeah. listen, we can't, there's no strategy that we can offer. I think sometimes people listen to the podcast to look to hear, you know, oh, here's an idea of strategy. And like, sometimes we do that. Sometimes other places do that. But like, what's the strategy here? Like p- play better baseball, you know? We watch the games. We react to them. That's Don't it. lose one, nothing to Jordan Montgomery. You knew that was going to happen, though. You knew that that was going to happen. Of course. Of course. You know? All right. Well, I think that's all we got. You can follow Nick on Twitter. At NKirbyNYY. You can follow me at JJ from the Bronx. I don't think anyone's tweeted from at George's Box Pod in quite some time. Um, Yeah. Well, listen, we'll be back next week. And uh, if, you know, we don't see you there, we'll see you at the parade. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.